former U.S. Army paratrooper, historian, and conspiracy analyst, Tony Arterburn, joined by top researchers and guests, exploring the depths of our hidden history, expose the crimes and cover-ups that plague our civilization and planet, and patrol the borders of our reality. 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 From the parapolitical to the paranormal in the psychological war for your body, soul, and mind. Be a paratruther. Welcome to Paratruther, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Tony Arterburn. It's a very special episode. I'm with my good friend, Chris Graves, researcher without peer, podcaster, broadcaster, gentleman scholar. We have promised that we would do an episode on black helicopters over America. And, of course, if you know anything about the 90s conspiracy culture, and I know a thing or two, as I've told you on my show, The Art of Burn Radio Transmission, or if you see me in other podcasts or programs, I grew up, uh, you know, with a family, especially my dad, that um, he was an entrepreneur, uh, owned convenience stores. He'd started, you know, a a bank uh, when he was younger, and uh, you had to deal with uh, the government. And after Ruby Ridge and Waco, uh, he became uh, very suspicious of government overreach and started studying more uh, of the, about our Constitution and our history. And uh, he would take me along with him on some of these seminars. We ended up going to see people like uh, Lieutenant Colonel Bo Greitz speak. Uh, if you remember the 1990s, this is prior to Oklahoma City and uh, some of the the books that were laid out, I'll never forget back in the nineties, looking at some of the, the, uh, the booksellers and, um, at some of these events. And, uh, one of the books that stuck out to me and one of the books that my dad would later have actually asked him, uh, this last weekend, when I saw him, when I went back down to Dallas, do you have that copy of black helicopters over America? Because I remember it. I remember you owning it. I remember, uh, seeing it on the bookshelf. He said, I don't know. I don't know where it is, but, uh, this is part of the conspiracy lore, and I believe deep research. You know, there's something about the 90s, and I know Chris will have a lot to say on this. There was so much good research going on. And, you know, you had uh, the uh, Patriot radio wars over shortwave with people like Bill Cooper, G. Gordon Liddy, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Bogreitz, all the rest. So you have, um, you have all that built in to the nineties and you get these stories uh, like black helicopters. And um, that's uh, you look at Wikipedia and uh, by the way, Chris, uh, welcome to paratruther. It's you're basically the co-host here, but uh, I want to make sure well, I, I introduced you, but I, I didn't give you a chance to say anything, but I was just kind of jumping right into the notes. How, how are you doing, Chris? Thanks for being here, by the way, buddy. Yeah, it's always an honor. I appreciate you having me. And uh, no, you, uh, I don't think I can make that 
that any more special than you already have, sir. Well, thank you, my friend. Uh, so if you, again, I don't trust Wikipedia, but to give you guys an overview of what, where this comes from, is the black helicopter is a symbol of an alleged conspiratorial military takeover of the United States in the American militia movement and has been associated with UFOs, especially in the UK, men in black and other conspiracies. Stories of the black helicopters first appeared in the 1970s and were linked to reports of cattle mutilation. It is possible that the idea originated in Hal Lindsey's book, The Late Great Planet Earth, published in 1970 and popular among conspiracy theorists. Lindsey conjectured that the locust-like creatures referenced in the book of Revelation in the New Testament were actually helicopters, which John had never seen and thus did not know how to describe. Talking about John of Patmos. So I'll I'll start there and bring you in, Chris, because uh, what specifically we're talking about in this episode, folks, is Jim Keith. And Jim Keith is the author of that book, Black Helicopters Over America. And again, the 1990s, so much came out, so much research and deep research was coming out of that era. And uh, I know we've talked about this before, but I want to throw it to you, uh, Chris. What are you... Um, you know, thinking about this subject matter, what's the first thing that comes to mind and what's the, the quickest way to get to the heart of the matter? What all of this research, these black helicopters, um, tracing their origins because they're real. I mean, people were seeing them and then we're going to ask the question, I think later in the show, where did they go? Uh, but just want to get your opening thoughts going into this, uh, episode. What, what do you, what do you think here? What, what are we looking at? Well, originally, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when I first came across the phenomenon, it was tied pretty closely with UFOs sightings and men in black sightings. Um, personally, just uh, based on what I've read over the years, I think that's kind of like to kind of like a cover, um, kind of like the UFO phenomenon in general, in my opinion. I think that was uh, like a very sophisticated spy program, uh, foreign and domestic, because, uh, under the uh, ruse of being extraterrestrial, because they knew that most people wouldn't, you know, wouldn't divulge the fact that they had just witnessed these incredible maneuvers of these weird crafts. So what better yet than to uh, label someone like a, a, a nut or a kook or something? They're going to keep their mouths shut for the mo most part, you know? So right. I think when they tie the black helicopter thing to it, it, it kind of, you know, poisons the well when it comes to what they actually are, are for. And it's uh, it based, the the main theory is that it's more it's more grounded and more you know a man not so much extraterrestrial uh, in my opinion and the theory throughout the 90s with the militia movement conservatives uh, you know during especially during the clinton years with the clinton body count and all that stuff oklahoma city um it was basically to scare like the uh the bible belt and you know the midwest the south um, with the possibility of a UN takeover of the United States, you know, with NATO and everything. And a lot of people think that this technology, because these, these sightings and everything, they, they appear almost out of nowhere and helicopters are supposed to make some kind of noise. And these right. things are incredible. So, I mean, 
I think that that was also uh, kind of a sophisticated program too. They it wasn't the the UN waiting to um, take our rights away and things. I think it it was just yet another part of that that spy program because the UFO thing was kind of. Um, I mean, they kind of like blew it back up with things like the X Files throughout the '90s, but black helicopters they they were right in there with them. But the thing with that is we still have UFOs. Black helicopters never really get talked about these days. No, and I can remember um, being a young paratrooper at Fort Bragg, which is home to the Special Operations uh, Green Berets and uh, Delta Force. And the home of Delta Force is just a range. Like, it's just it's designated as a range. It's not like, here's Delta Force headquarters. It just says it's a range, right? Um, and you, but you don't have access to it. It's not like a regular right. range you can go and... <laughs> Uh, you know, take your weapon and, and go uh, target practice or whatever. So it's not actually a range. It's a, it's a facility. And so yeah. I always look and they had their own fleet of helicopters that I remember. I'll, I'll never forget being in training before I went into Kosovo. I just mm. gotten there as, you know, just graduated airborne school and basic training. And that they had a, um, a little fleet of those miniature helicopters, the, the tiny ones and, uh, that were the gunships, you know, and they'd had the mini gun and, uh, they were black, you know, and they had, um, I, I, there was other, and there was other craft and stuff that I could see other, um, you know, uh, helicopter type craft that I couldn't sometimes always identify. There's always the black Hawks, but those are usually green, you know, yeah. um, uh, and, or, or desert, uh, Brown, you know, whatever they are now. And, uh, but every once in a while, and I do remember being, being like, Oh, what is that one? You know? And so I, again, not saying that those were the black helicopters of, of 1990s conspiracy lore or, or research, but I do remember, um, being able to see something that I couldn't actually identify, <laughs> like what, it, what it was in the sense of what type of helicopter, like, what is that? It's a little strange. I and, always thought, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I always thought the, the, you know, I, I always thought the most likely scenario for the black helicopter, not being a UN thing or whatever, but unless you go into the new or world order angle of it, which is possible. I always thought it was tied in with like uh, the, the continuity of government, you know, and things like that. Like, you know, like Iron Mountain, all these uh, installations that are not on the books. Well, Iron Mountain is, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of unknown ones. And also, like, we don't know exactly, does DARPA have their own, um, you know, police department, for lack of a better term, you know? Because DARPA will be the ones to develop this kind of thing, I would think, you know? I, that always was in the back of my mind, too, you know? Well, it was that senator from, I believe it was Hawaii, uh, years and years ago, that said uh, there's a government inside the government that has its own air force, its own army, and so on. That's why army. I was thinking that, Yeah. Yeah. And I remember that's a, that's a direct quotation right out of the mainstream. And, yep. uh, no, we, we realized that there's a, I mean, even David Knight calls it the dark state, not yeah. the deep state. So, uh, yeah. there's nothing new here. I mean, they may not be using the same craft or whatever. They may not be using the same, um, helicopters or technology. They may have advanced beyond that. Maybe they don't have to. <laughs> Maybe they, yeah. Yeah. You know, that too. Right. So there's, there's, so there's a lot to look into on this. And, you know, if you keep looking at Wikipedia and we're going to play some clips here in a minute, folks. But uh, if you look at Wikipedia, it talks about uh, Jim Keith. He wrote two books on the subject, Black Helicopters Over America 
Strike Force for the New World Order 1995 and Black Helicopters 2, the in-game strategy. So we're going to talk a little bit about his uh, his influence. Yeah, and it goes even beyond that too. He uh, he was uh, he wrote about Danny Casaloro, the uh, the the researcher that was found dead in his motel bathtub. He was looking into um, this thing called this phenomenon called uh, the octopus, which you know people nowadays like Charlie Robinson has been shining some light on. But Danny Casaloro was one of the first to look into that and into the promise um technology that's actually been brought back up recently with the january 6th uh debacle so right. that, that's tied in too so it is still relevant you know it says the media attention to black helicopters increased in february 1995 when first-term republican northern idaho representative helen chinaworth or chinaworth uh, charged that armed ag- federal agents were landing black helicopters on Idaho's ranchers' property to enforce the Endangered Species Act. Quote, I've never seen them, uh, Chenoweth said in an interview with the New York Times, but enough people in my district have become concerned that I just can't ignore it. We do have some proof. The black helicopter's conjecture resonates well with the belief held by some in the militia movement that troops from the United Nations might invade the United States. The John Birch Society originally uh, promoted it, asserting that the United Nations force would soon arrive in black helicopters to bring the U.S. under U.N. control. A similar theory uh, concerning so-called phantom helicopters appeared in the U.K. in the 1970s. Yep. Well, I mean, the thing is about this theory about the black helicopters and about the U.N., um, they didn't do it that way. I mean, we, we have the, we have the benefit of just passing these decades, you know, on and 30 years later, we have the ability to look back and say, they didn't do it through an invasion. They didn't land and say, we planting our flag. They did it through (laughs) slow, uh, you know, the, what David Icke calls the totalitarian tiptoe. Yeah. Everyone was thinking of red dawn at the time, you know, Yeah, it's not, it just doesn't come in the form of red dawn. It, yep. it, it's slow. It's incremental. It's year that. by year. It's election after election. Yeah. It's the population replacement through mass immigration. It's the loss of liberties through the Patriot act. It's the false flags. It's the death by a thousand cuts. And, you know, eventually we, you know, the, the, I think that what they want so badly is to have the country in turmoil so that the the cry out will be, you know, help us, UN, you know, bring a peacekeeping force, all the rest of that. And then you might see the black helicopters. Fall. That's what I mean. That was like the, the Operation Gladio, Gladio uh, in Italy in, after World War II, where they actually had secret troops that stayed behind to pretend to be uh the enemy and cause terrorist attacks and things so that the, the public would be uh, go, you know, the public will be demanding uh, protection from, you know, their, their leaders when in fact the leaders were the ones that were attacking them, you know? So it's, it's the age old story of, uh, you know, as I'm looking at this, uh, this post from Wikipedia and then some of the other links you sent me, I see, Um, some of the documented usage of black helicopters. And one of them is what I was just talking about. The U S army's 160th special operations aviation regiment. 
yeah. uses helicopters primarily painted black and other U.S. military branches operate helicopters painted black or dark colors, particularly the uh, Pavlo, P-A-V-E-L-O-W, which was optimized for long-range stealthy insertions or extraction of personnel, including combat search and rescue. So you see, I've probably seen some of these, these um, aircraft. Can I, can I tell you something that sure. uh, mo most people don't even know? And I tried to get a friend of mine that writes uh, certain books about things that were hidden in history, if you will. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It just didn't seem to really register like or be significant. But to me, I found out, I found some articles from back in the day. There was a black helicopter that was hovering over the Murrah building at the moment of the explosions. Now, you say explosions because there's more than just one. And it was taking photographs of the actual explosion. And those photographs were passed on to G General Ben Parton. And that, the FBI was, had like about almost 100 witnesses that came forward and, and said, hey, do you know anything about that black helicopter that was like hovering over the building that people like Officer Terrence Eakey observed while he was writing out a ticket, a, a traffic ticket? Um, there's that. There was also <laughs> black helicopters seen, filmed above the World Trade Center at the moment of, it was actually throughout the ordeal, but also at the, the point of initiation, right? As each tower would go down, you would see a, a black helicopter-like vehicle hovering in the smoke. And this is still on YouTube, folks. You can find it. It's hovering in the smoke. And you see the, the this weird like light thing going on, like a flashes of light within the smoke. And they told us that there was no chance of uh, rooftop rescues on that day. But you have footage of weird black helicopters sitting in the smoke right as the towers start collapsing. And Donald Rumsfeld also said he observed a weird helicopter right outside his office window about i want to say about a minute or less before flight 77 apparently hit the opposite side of the pentagon from his office so i always found those accounts of these weird helicopters during these events you know that don't even get talked about but those were mainstream articles by the way so they, it weren't it wasn't like it was alternative uh researchers writing articles about it like you can find those articles where Rumsfeld talk, mentioned that. You can find the footage of those helicopters above the World Trade Center as they're they're burning, and then right before they they come down. So I figured I'd throw that in there because you don't really hear that talked about at all. I I don't. I I've never I've never seen that. And Ben Parton too. Ben Parton saw the the photographs that were taken from that helicopter, and you got to ask yourself why is a helicopter above the Murrah building or any building in downtown Oklahoma city at the moment of this, this huge tragedy. And why are they documenting? Oh, it's almost, it's almost <laughs> like they knew Chris, they, you know, that's what I'm saying. They documented <laughs> it because they gave general part. Someone gave general Parton photographs taken from this, this helicopter. That well, well, tell, you know, and just, you know, for you being a researcher, you taking this for granted, but, tell people about that general well general parton was the 
was the general that came forward and did a whole presentation about how there had to be uh, cutter charges in the basement of the Merva building. Oh, and he Oklahoma said that the, of Oklahoma City, uh, yeah, he said that it, this was not the work of a uh, fertilizer bomb of a vehicle that was outside the building. He said the blast push was uh, forced out outwards across the street, actually. It hit the building across the street and did some damage. So that always made me think, is that one of the reasons why we're not allowed to see the surveillance footage of downtown uh, Oklahoma? Because they would see this helicopter like buzzing around. So, yeah, General Parton, he was smeared as being a racist afterwards and no one would listen to him. He went on like uh, cable access shows to try to get get, you know, the word out that this wasn't a fertilizer bomb. This was from cutter charges underneath the daycare center, actually, in the parking garage. No one would listen to him. He also came forward about the TWA 800 uh, crash, if you will, um, being a, uh, a naval uh, missile. He confirmed it. He, he said it was, uh, I forget the, name, the exact name of it, but it was one of those where it would be close proximity to the, the target. It wouldn't actually hit the target, but it would be close enough that it would cause it an explosion in like the fuel tank close proximity but anyway yeah general parton was smeared all up and down and saying you know said he was you know affiliated with david duke and all this other stuff and even if he was that has nothing to do with like what the science that he was showing in his presentation which is still on line if you really really dig for it but yeah he uh, was given photographs from a from that helicopter but nothing else has ever ever been written about it Let's talk a little bit about Jim Keith. Um, you'd sent me this clip and I didn't even realize this exists. This is from the, the show extra. If anybody remembers extra, remember yeah, that pretty show? Big show, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Bill O'Reilly. Didn't he host extra? Isn't that where you get, uh, the, he, we're going to do it live. We're going to do it live. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was that a current affair? I can't that remember. Was a which one's affair, right. I believe, or hard copy. One of the two, hard yeah. copy. Right. Yeah. They yeah. used to have all these little journalistic shows. Now they don't even do that. They just have Brian Stelter telling you what the CIA thinks. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what, this is what you, the, what you need to believe network. Welcome. Uh, yeah. let's, so I'm going to, I'm going to run this clip folks. It's about four and a half minutes. And if, if Chris, if you want to interject or whatever, we can reverse it or pause it if you want to say something, but it should, it should speak for itself. But, uh, I do in, I appreciate the fact they do bring up Keith's work when it comes to the JFK junior crash, uh, which, uh, Donald Jeffries, <laughs> when he saw this, um, he didn't even know this existed either, but yeah, yeah, Jim Keith was looking into the Princess Diana murder and also put out, he was one of the first proponents that she was uh, pregnant. And he also was one of the pro proponents that uh, John Jr.'s wife that was in the plane was pregnant as well. So, so this is the year 2000? Yeah. yeah. So that, right, yeah, well, it's, this is, this yeah, it speaks for itself. Yeah, we'll uh, we might chime in uh, during it. Uh, I might pause it if if it has something I want to get Chris's take okay, on. Yeah, but, uh, feel feel also feel free to jump in, Chris. Okay, we're gonna run okay. it. Jim Keith went where other journalists feared to tread. Among other things, he claimed that Princess Diana and JFK Jr. were murdered. But now, as Doug Bruckner reports, Keith is dead as well, and some say his poison pen may have cost him his life. He was Mister Conspiracy. The LSD that, that flooded this country was primarily uh, supplied by the CIA. A 
respected investigative journalist, lecturer, and author of dozens of books that chronicle government cover-ups, political assassinations, and sinister spy networks. One hopes that our government would, um, would have some sense of ethics and morals. As you dig into this, you find that that just isn't so. But now, Jim Keith has died in a suspicious set of circumstances worthy of one of his own conspiracy theories. This is a very mysterious case. It needs to be investigated. And some are asking a chilling question. Did somebody murder him because he really did know too much? This dark mystery began last September when Keith suffered a seemingly minor knee injury at the Burning Man Arts Festival near his home in Reno, Nevada and he didn't think much of it. Ken Thomas is a university researcher and respected writer himself. He was also Keith's publisher and co-author, and he says the strange events that followed Keith's accident smell of foul play. He didn't go to the hospital immediately. It took him a day or so as he realized that he couldn't live with the pain. A few hours later, Keith underwent a simple operation for a torn knee ligament. Somehow, this otherwise healthy 49-year-old suddenly died right on the operating table. Of course, the conventional explanation for Jim's death is that it was a blood clot. But Thomas is just one of Keith's friends and colleagues who suspect the author was deliberately silenced by a political assassin who infiltrated the hospital. It's certainly possible that they created a blood clot uh, or that they killed him in some other means. We spoke with Keith's associates who also believe he was murdered, but they were too afraid for their own lives to go on camera. Keith reportedly told one of them just before he died he feared he was a marked man. Meanwhile, Thomas admits he doesn't know who killed Keith or how, but he thinks he knows why. At the time of his death, Keith had just published some highly volatile conspiracy theories. That Timothy McVeigh was a CIA mind control subject programmed by secret agents to blow up the Oklahoma City Federal Building. That JFK Jr.'s tragic plane crash was no accident. It was a political assassination. But Thomas says Keith may have signed his own death warrant with a story alleging Princess Diana was also murdered. In fact, the main theory about his death has to do with Princess Diana and the idea that she might have been pregnant when she died. Keith was reportedly boasting that he knew the identity of the physician who could confirm the pregnancy. And this is supposedly what marked him for death. Well, there has been no official inquiry into Keith's death. Thomas says he's been conducting his own investigation. It's certainly a mystery. There's certainly more to know. There, will, there are more answers out there. Whether the ultimate answer ever emerges remains to be seen. Ironically, Keith's best-known investigative book, The Octopus, is about a real-life journalist Keith claims was murdered for knowing too much about the Iran country. Three years, 676 commercial airline passengers have lost their lives in this area. TWA Flight 800... Swiss Air Flight 111, and countless small planes have gone down. Who could forget JFK Jr.? Now on Halloween, Egypt Air Flight 990 plunges out of the sky. It fuels the fires of conspiracy theorists like Ken Thomas. He believes government agents are to blame. There are 30 uh, military personnel, Egyptian military personnel, who died on that flight. And these people were all in the U.S. training uh, to work Apache helicopters. This corridor from New York City to Nova Scotia has gotten a bad reputation ever since the cruise liner Andrea Doria collided off Nantucket with another ship in 1956. 51 people died. Now some pilots actually call the route the Little Bermuda Triangle, 
a reference to an area near the island of Bermuda where planes have missed. Chris, tell me about Ken Thomas. Do you have information on him? We still got you, Chris. Chris is frozen up. Yeah, yeah. No, the thing with Ken Thomas is uh, he's not he he co-wrote the book with uh, with Jim Keith about Danny Casaloro running right. into the octopus thing. Uh, he's still alive, apparently, but uh, Jim Keith teamed up with another publisher for his later books, like the OK Bomb. What that was his whole thing about Oklahoma City and the Men in Black book and. Um, I had his name. <laughs> uh, I had his name before, and I'm, I'm trying to get it back. But yeah, he his latest publisher died very mysteriously as well. And Nitro News was the website that Jim Keith contributed to, and they mysteriously shut down during the uh, Jim Keith was in the hospital. So I find right now I had it on me, but. This gentleman was his publisher, his current publisher at the time. And this this gentleman went out to dinner with his wife at a restaurant. You're talking about Jim Keith's uh, publisher, right? You're talking about. uh, Yeah, Jim Keith's publisher. Yeah, yeah. He worked with Ken Thomas on the the Octopus book, but it wasn't Ken Thomas that died the way uh, mysteriously. I'm trying to get... uh, while I, f- I find that gentleman's name, because I had that in the, the email as well. Yeah, what was your take on the, the black helicopters of the 90s? Like, when do you remember the exact moment you you actually had heard about it? And as a phenomenon, it was the it was mid 90s, it was probably 95 to 96. Um, I, I was going again, we went, we were active, uh, I was 14 years old in 1994. And that's when I went and had heard Bo Greit speak and uh, at least once and got to meet him. And then uh, there was a couple other events that I would go with my dad to um, because he wanted me to understand what was happening, you know. And um, so I got a a real big dose of reality at at 14, uh, 15 years old. Uh, But looking back, you know, it's interesting because uh, that all got washed away there was so much momentum in the what they call the militia movement or the patriot movement it was just people that wanted to have a, a republican form of government uh <laughs> no I, I never met any extremists in any of these things there was it was just people who were like hey we need to get a year's worth of food uh we need to be able to have you know a way to um you know find ammunition for our weapons and how to defend ourselves they just want to raise families and, and not be messed with by the federal government. Right. That's basically it. It was just about, about self-reliance and uh, there was no, like, this is how we're going to overtake whatever. <laughs> like was, there was no, I never heard anything like that. It was all about defensive. It was all about freedom and, and the constitution being restored and the bill of rights. And uh, these are like, we're holding up and celebrating, you know, figures like Thomas Jefferson well, that's not, I mean, that's not a totalitarian terrorist takeover. That's just people that want to live, be left yeah. alone. That's just freedom lovers. So, uh, you know, I, I look back on that, and, but it was all washed away after Oklahoma City. And Oklahoma City made everybody, I mean, it made a big chunk of people just 
just shy away from it and go back to what they were doing because it you have this uh, Manchurian candidate you know and you I love that clip you know I never seen that clip um, where Jim Keith was talking about the uh, CIA sponsored Timothy Mouvet you know there's that famous story yep. about uh, Bill Cooper from Behold a Pale Horse That's right. you know, he went to the FBI and said I met Timothy McVeigh before I didn't know his name, but he came to my office. He came in uh, to outside of eager Arizona. And, and when he was broadcasting out of a shopping center and he was with another gentleman that he was also not identified, but they both said they worked for the army that they are being tracked and that, um, Timothy McVeigh had a chip in his right buttock. And he said he was willing to let bill Cooper inspect it. <laughs> yep. And bill at the time said, I don't, I'm not going to do that. But the other gentleman had one in his shoulders. Apparently this is testimony to the FBI from Bill Cooper, by the way, folks. I mean, and Bill Cooper didn't want to deal with it, but he did this after the fact because he thought it was very significant to find the true cause of what happened because they also told, and it was the strangest thing to, because you had this person who supposedly Timothy McVeigh talking to Bill Cooper uh, before Oklahoma City, he asked him, what do I do if I'm pulled over by a police officer? Yeah. He says, do I shoot him or do I take the uh, the ticket? And Bill Cooper says, you take the ticket. What are you talking about? Bill got upset. Yep. Like, what? what is this? You know, he knew he was being trying to, they were trying to set him up in some way. Because yeah. if you remember, that's how Timothy McVeigh was stopped for not having a license plate, I believe. It was yeah, just was missing the, the, Yeah, yeah. And originally, Bill reported, actually, people forget this, on one of the Hour of the Time episodes, Bill reported that the original police report didn't mention a handgun in the car whatsoever. So there was no reason to arrest him. If that's if that really is the case, and I have a feeling it probably was, if he didn't have a firearm in the vehicle, he should have only been issued a... Uh, a ticket and then maybe the car being towed not an arrest and no, he, the, the thing reeks of yes <laughs> of an inside job well bill cooper told even said that uh they told him to watch oklahoma city yes so i mean like it's like they were building the narrative and they were dropping it on you know and again folks if you know anything about the 90s uh the clinton white house put out a memorandum it said the most dangerous radio host in America was William Cooper and uh, Rush, Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh. Yeah. yeah, here you go. You know it. Yeah. Now, Rush Limbaugh read it on air. Like, says, see, it's not me, folks. It's it's William Cooper. He's broadcasting from a shopping center in Arizona. He well, wore that as a badge of honor, too. <laughs> well, for sure. You yeah. know, but the interesting thing, this is why I think, uh, you know, you and I were decided to do some of these shows, digging up some of these old things that. Yeah from the nineties, because that's my wheelhouse. Like that's what I grew up yep. uh, looking at. And um, I mean, there's still, they had, we had some great journalists in the night. We have some great journalists today in the alternative media. Um, but really we're standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, there's the people that were uh, out there in the thick of, and what you know now about the deep state and about um, yeah. just how, just how insane and sociopathic, these people are that reach the heights of power. I mean, knocking off someone is, is nothing. I mean, they'll, they'll just do it. I mean, they, they'll get tired of you. They'll knock you or they'll just destroy your character. Now they can, 
they can assassinate you digitally like they were no one will ever believe you ever again or you know? they put child pornography on your on your your computer or something right yeah anything yeah um yeah, I mean, so, just, no, there's a million different ways. I mean, to, oh, if yeah. you speak out, if you speak truth to power, they, they just can get you. And uh, there were people out front talking about these things. And I don't know exactly where the black helicopters fit in and all this, but uh, I believe in them. I believe that they were I think there's there's uh, breakaway governments within governments. Yes. Uh, I think that there's uh, I mean, you look at the the crack ep epidemic of the 90s. Uh, traceable right back to the central intelligence agency to fund their black projects the same thing you know you look at what was it um it was a wild bill donovan with the one of the originators of the central intelligence agency from the oss yeah. it was like his idea to, to um to run opium and heroin back to the united states and sell it into the the black communities and to the to the jazz musicians and stuff like that so they could just raise capital uh to to fund things outside of government overreach or a government government oversight so you know I, I there's total possibility that there's multiple realities and power structures going on they may have technology you know, you know they were mentioning in the wikipedia oh, of course i'll go back and talk about it being a pejorative term but oh yeah that was also yeah like the tinfoil hat or conspiracy theorist uh like with the 1967 memo of the cia to, to basically anyone that was questioning the Warren report to uh, refer to them as conspiracy theorists. It was another thing to uh, smear people. Because uh, actually, more recently, um, creepy Joe, uh, Joe Biden um, actually disparaged a bunch of people by bringing up the black helicopter crowds, as he put it, you know? Right. Well, there's, uh, there's a, a mention here. When I was a kid, there was a great show on the eighties called airwolf. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's a, it's mentioned in here in this, this Wikipedia listing airwolf, a television series in which the intelligence agency known as the firm <laughs> uses an advanced dark colored uh, armed helicopter to conduct espionage missions, both abroad and within the United States. And then, um, another reference to the black helicopters is the X-Files. I watched this movie in theaters with my mom. <laughs> This is yep. the kind of kid I was. I go, I would follow the X Files conspiracy, uh, things like that in the '90s. Uh, but the the X Files fight the future, which what an interesting subtitle. Fight the future, fight the future. Yeah. because <laughs> I know, my, man, in the '90s we absolutely needed to fight the future because it was a weird future that was ahead. We just didn't know it. And the weird uh, thing about that is that uh, Chris Carter, the uh, creator of the X Files came out years later and admitted that yeah they had their cia liaison to hollywood on you know in their offices all the time giving them ideas for for plot lines and story beats and things like that so uh, i wouldn't be surprised if that tagline was uh you know courtesy of the firm if you will <laughs> you know yeah in the movie uh, the x-files movie it says black helicopters featured when they chased the central characters fox Mulder and dana scully who have discovered a storage facility for honeybees, which have been genetically engineered to carry an extraterrestrial virus. That's right, too, yeah. Yeah, the unmarked black <laughs> helicopters also play a role in uh, the final episodes of season two and nine in the television series involving the cigarette smoking man. Yeah, I noticed that, too, the other day. I was, I was re-watching the X-Files series, and I noticed the black helicopters and the cigarette smoking man. Yeah. 
Yeah, which they uh, they did a, a, a pre- previous episode where they they showed you the cigarette smoking man's backstory, and he's supposed to be the uh, he's supposed to be the guy who actually shot JFK from like the storm drain, and he's and the MLK. one that sets up Oswald. <laughs> yeah, and MLK too. Oh yeah, and then he's there as well, and it actually shows him like feeling sad about it because he's like listening to uh, to uh, Martin Luther King uh, do his speech, and it's almost like he doesn't want to do you know the hit or whatever. But right. yeah, no, it's wild stuff. Yeah, <laughs> really, really wild. And let's go to there's a clip from 2013, November 21st, and uh, this is something. I, it caught my attention when you sent this clip because uh, people were reporting this. Over- before, oh, before I forget, too, because um, this was pretty significant, and I just realized this uh, yesterday. Brittany Murphy and her husband might be tied. Her, their demises might be tied to the black helicopter phenomenon, too. So just remind me if you remember. I, I should remember. So, Well, that's interesting. We'll have to. Uh... <laughs> like, well, you dropped that bomb, Sean. <laughs> We'll have to to go over that, brother. Um, Let's let's do this clip uh, of this. And this is a news report on on military black helicopter urban war drills over Phoenix, Arizona in 2013. Supporting Department of Defense training around the city. There have been a lot of helicopters seen all across the valley tonight. We've been keeping a close eye on this. Our own Bruce Hafner has reported seeing military helicopters flying low over the Scottsdale area. We have several photographers out right now shooting some video, and this is just into our newsroom right here. New video uh, of a few of those choppers flying over central Phoenix. Last night, the area near Sandra Day O'Connor High School was used for this training. Again, lots of people reporting low-flying helicopters around the city tonight. A busy night tonight in the skies over the valley. Right now, the military is in the middle of a big training exercise over Phoenix. For the second night in a row, people are calling the 3TV newsroom, wondering what's happening. And tonight, we have some answers. Karen Brown live in Phoenix now with a look at what's going on out there tonight, Karen. Yeah, you know, Karen, we've had so many phone calls into the station and the tweets that are coming in, people wondering why these blacked out helicopters have been flying around the valley. And as you take a look at some of the buildings downtown, what witnesses here are saying is that they were actually flying amongst the buildings. And now we know why. In fact, Phoenix PD confirming for us that the Department of Defense is conducting training exercises uh, trying to get military personnel certified in urban operations, urban operations, so that when they go overseas, they are prepared. Here's what one witness saw. I mean, they were very close to the buildings. They were at different levels. They were at top of it. They would come down to the bottom part of it, you know, our middle way, I guess you'd say. And then they would go back up and they would take off and just fly. Then they would stop and go again. Wow. Um, and what did the helicopters look like? It was hard to say because it was dark and it, they were blacked out. I mean, very few lights on them. All right, and another live look here. In fact, we can tell you that uh, these exercises will be going on here in Phoenix as well as Tempe, Mesa, and Scottsdale. They will end on the 22nd. This is a nationwide effort, so it's not just Phoenix. This is a nationwide effort, so it's not just Phoenix. But again, folks are wondering what in the world is going on, and now we know. <laughs> Reporting live from downtown. Chris, was Phoenix, this Jade Helm? Back to you. All right, Karen, thank you very much.
I think this was Jade yeah. Helm. I believe so. I, I, yeah. It was yeah, right around this the time is of like, the Boston bombing, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Jade yeah. Helm. It had to Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Alex Jones, uh, all throughout the late late 90s and all, I think even maybe the, you know, the early uh, 2010s, whatever you want to call them, like he would have reports all the time uh, about citizens being, you know, upset or having heart attacks and dying from these these drills that were not announced that they were doing like the middle of the night and it scared the crap out of all these uh, regular people, you know, um, like even sometimes in the suburbs and sometimes in cities themselves, like Detroit where the, that were already kind of bombed out and everything. Right. And they would do, yeah. And they wouldn't tell anybody and people actually died from like just being scared because they didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I'm not a fan of when they conduct drills like that. Yeah. You know, in, North, in North Carolina, you know, out of Fort Bragg, they do Robin Sage, which is really about um, th it's a fiction. It's it's a fictional uprising from like a patriot group or something like that, or an offshoot, like a like an insurrection, and they're putting it down. Like uh, again, like it's domestic, and the military is yeah. putting down a domestic uh, in what they deem as an insurrection, uh, using the special operations. Um, but you know, the posse comitatus act, uh, that prohibits the use of the military. Yeah. Right. Being used for policing. And when we had the country burning down in 2020, I know. literally, you know, and, and pallets of bricks being dropped off and people being flown all over the country, uh, funded by someone. There was a re and then that was, you remember uh, that, that, right? There were vans that were just picking up people, like arresting people, throwing them away, basically. And I remember those reports. Yeah, there was. And then general Millie from, we don't do that. We do military is not involved in anything domestically, but you run drills on it all the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, you don't, you don't, you're, you're only involved if it's somebody that has any sort of uh, leaning towards a constitutional Republic, as long as they're minions of the new world order or some kind of globalist little puppet, then you can do whatever yeah. you want, you know? So now I, I, the, I'm skeptical of all these things. And I, I think that there's, there's a lot of merit to, um, to this research going into, uh, different aircraft being used by different entities and maybe they have no accountability whatsoever. And then, and again, we'll end with, I'll get your take on where they went uh, here in a second, but I want to read a little bit about the pejorative term, which I love being called a conspiracy theorist. I don't know about you. I literally have a show called Paratruther, and I love it. Like, cause if if you if you think truther is a bad word, well then you well you're a falser. <laughs> Was it you and somebody? What are you a falser? I love. Yeah, that. I think you, you stepped into falsehoods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm a I'm yeah. a proud uh, truther, ladies and gents. Happy to be a conspiracy theorist because that means I read things. That means I thought about something. That means I looked into things. Happy to do that. Um, so the term right. has been used to ridicule other conspiracy theories or conspiracy theorists. And this is some of the examples. In 2007, a Slate article on basketball referring to uh, or, or <laughs> an article on basketball refereeing said, in the wake of this scandal, every game will be in question. And not only by fans disposed of seeing black helicopters outside the arena. Yeah. You know, 
In 2020, Governor of Florida Ron DeSantis, in a public appearance with U.S. Vice President Mike Pence, pushed back on critics of his administration and its handling of the COVID-19 pandemic, saying, we succeeded, and I think that people just don't want to recognize it because it challenges their narrative. It challenges their assumption. So they got to try to find a boogeyman. Maybe it's like there are black helicopters circling Department of Health. If you believe that, um, I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. So there's <laughs> um, right. there's your boy Ron uh, <laughs> use, they using the term. Right in calling, don't they? Yeah. Another. Uh, They're and this all is about another, their name calling, right? <laughs> yeah, and this is another reference in pop culture, which I remember this in 1997, the, the film using uh, starring Mel Gibson. Um, yes. conspiracy theory, right? It describes silent black military helicopters, and he just he's describing it to an empty cab. He realizes he's talking to no one, which is you know <laughs> can be a lot like podcasting. Yeah, they, they go into the MK Ultra and all the, everything in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like they they're disclosing it through pop culture to take away the stigma so they can just speak oh yeah we told you we put it in the movie you know we told you and then yeah we're not hiding anything we put it in the movie and at this flip side of that it makes it look totally ridiculous when people try to say it's real you know oh that's just a movie okay but yeah i actually uh i wanted to it was important i felt ken thomas was a, a, a collaborator of jim keeps but the guy that i was referring to was his publisher later on and I found the thing I, I was talking about. He, this gentleman's name was Ron Bonds, B-O-N-D-S. And he lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and he published books on unsolved mysteries and unexplained phenomena from the Kennedy assassination to the ominous black helicopters of the New World Order. In the subculture of the paranormal, his reputation was such that writers for the X-Files used to call him for ideas. So that's another idea, man. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, in April of 2001, let's say uh, about six months before 9-11, just about, um, 15 hours after eating a meal with warm beef from a Mexican restaurant in Atlanta, after an agonizing evening of vomiting and diarrhea, Bonds was taken by ambulance from their home to Grady Memorial Hospital. During an autopsy, the medical examiner found copious amounts of blood in the bowels so he sent a stool sample to the Georgia Public Health Laboratory in Decatur. Uh, Decatur, I think. That, yeah. The lab discovered high levels of clostridium uh, periphagens, type A. I went to public school, folks. I apologize. <laughs> a bacterium often seen in small quantities in beef and poultry. When it occurs in larger quantities, anything above 100,000 organisms per gram is considered unsafe. It can release toxins that cause diarrhea, vomiting, and rarely hemorrhaging. The bacterium figures in 250,000 cases of food poisoning a year, the CDC estimates, only seven of which result in death. Four days after Bonds ate there, Epa... Experts visited Al Azteca to collect samples of ground beef from the steam table. When, uh, I apologize, Tony, when clo clo uh, Clostridium 
perfrigens, wow, becomes dangerous. It usually has to do with cooked meat being held at a low at a too low temperature. The lab found six million organisms per gram, sixty times the safety threshold. But the obvious question is, why didn't others eating at the same restaurant get sick too? Oh. And I totally, I totally massacred the, that guy. <laughs> but that, <laughs> okay, buddy. I think it's. I think people got the point. And the point is, is that uh, there's a there's a shadow yeah. cast over that. I mean, it's people tend to. You notice that the the people the, the octopus of global control. <laughs> through that's what he wrote about too. Yeah, right. with Danny Casaloro's research. Right. Well, you yeah. realize like the actual octopus people. The tentacles those people never have like weird accidents you know <laughs> they, no, they don't, it's always like researchers and people that are they, they, if you've witnessed something if, oh there was yeah. a, there was a i saw gunfire coming from the grassy knoll well he died in a uh, one vehicle accident you know like, yeah like, he punched himself in the back of the head with a dryer and a tire iron and he was so depressed he shot yeah. himself three times uh you know in the back of the head i mean it's he just, beat himself to death in an old in a field like a mile away from his car and he had a leg cut off it's like wow right. he, he tied his hands behind his back before he you know used his own gun on himself i mean just all this yeah just surrounding all, you, then you all got henry years. kissinger who's like 200 years old and like running marathons and everything eating you know twix and <laughs> who knows twix yeah <laughs> you know what i mean He's eating <laughs> Taste twix the rainbow or whatever <laughs> well i mean that's i'd rather be look you know um i think all of us run a risk of when we talk about because i i really don't i mean my only filter is uh you know just making sure I'm, it's a family friendly friendly show I talk yeah, about, yeah, I was gonna say. You know, i'll talk about anything i want um so um that's i think freedom. we all run, be, run right? the risk that's freedom but that's freedom that's what we were born to do you gotta speak the truth live the truth yeah uh and uh and you know let the chips fall where they may and i think that's that's the life i'm i'm a soldier i don't know any any better yeah but i'll let you uh, final thoughts chris i think that's a fun show uh and you know and again life's work of someone is um, i think it's to be held in reverence i they, yeah. they put so much out there and then you never know i mean we will never know it's a mystery i have my suspicions anytime anything like this happens you go in for a knee operation is something similar happened to joe mccarthy i was just gonna bring that up yes that's right and uh, our friend donald jeffries I, I i remind him every now and then that that's the same exact way he went out too yeah there's a neck oh i've got to hurt my knee yeah, he fell dead. off the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he knew that he, he was quoted by family members that he did not want to go back in there because he knew he wasn't coming out. You know? Um, yeah, so I feel like it's important to remember people that basically get paid the ultimate price uh, just to get the word out about this corruption. That's why I know people... If people uh, listen to me, you know, in different whatever inter interviews or podcasts they might get sick of hearing me say the names bill cooper dave mcgowan uh may brussel you know jim mars even though i think jim died you know of old age but still but people you know danny Casaloro, the the ones that anybody who's willing to you know put their safety aside just to report on the facts or whatever because it, it just it's a shame when they're for, people are forgotten, especially in light of the fact that they probably did pay the the ultimate price. You know, even if they're 
death certificate says otherwise. And for them to do that and then just be forgotten, it kind of makes me a little angry. So that's why I like to shine a little bit of light. Well, they they have a home here on on my podcast uh, forever exactly. because we'll we'll be talking about these old researchers and their contribution to yeah uh, to what we're talking about now. I mean, we live in a <laughs> we live in the the Tomorrowland. That's why I, on the Arterburn Radio transmission that one of the slogans is "Welcome to Tomorrow," and that's kind of <laughs> a throwback right. to a Megadeth song, but it's something when I when I, in the '90s I I found the the pop culture reference to that saying, and I use it for my own program. So. Uh, no, they, they, their work continues and we, uh, we look to the past for strength moving into the future. And, uh, I'll give you the, uh, the final thought, Chris, go ahead. Oh no. Yeah. I, that pretty much sums it up. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Cause I'm, I wanted to say that, you know, like rest, rest in peace, you know, Jim Keith and, and the other people that I mentioned. And when you hear about the, you know, different phenomenon that like disappear, you got to think what was the evolution of that particular phenomenon or, or theory like what did happen to black helicopters because i actually talked to recently uh two gentlemen that live in uh oregon that see these black helicopters almost daily because they in their opinions they think it's because you know they were one of the some of the lucky ones that were able to move away from the cities so it's almost like a uh you know, we got our eye on you kind of message in a way. And I'll, I'll leave you with this one for people to look up. Whether or not it's connected or not is up in the air, really. Uh, actress Brittany Murphy and her husband, who passed away, I believe, uh, maybe three or four months after she did, they were basically both poisoned slowly because the medical examiner uh, came under fire for... Um, having the wrong ruling and we we know about this like with uh the january 6th coroners you know like they're under investigation this you know clinton had his own coroner when he was the governor of arkansas There's a lot of shenanigans go on you know and there was a uh a, a, there was a lady that worked for homeland security who turned whistleblower and again her name escapes me but they made a documentary about her. She was next door neighbors with Brittany Murphy and her and her husband. There was a black helicopter that was filmed by yet another neighbor of theirs. It was filmed with his camera coming down and entering the house of this, this Homeland Security uh, whistleblower, dragging her parents out because they thought that this woman was home, but she wasn't. She thought they they thought that her mother was her but then when they realized this woman was much too old to be their target or or whatever you want to call it they realized oh we screwed up and they didn't know that they were filmed either by the other neighbor but the other neighbor gave the videotape to uh this whistleblower lady and her husband that guy who filmed it, the helicopter coming down and all the shenanigans and everything, dragging the parents out on, throwing them on the ground and all that. This guy, he ends up dying and he doesn't have a death certificate to this day. The one that filmed it and gave the videotape to them. But they were able to put it in their documentary, which the name right now escapes me. So just look up Brittany Murphy, people, and you'll see there's, you know, they, they smeared that poor girl as a, uh, 
loon and a drug addict, and they used all kinds of words, but they really did see a black helicopters come down in the Hollywood Hills. So, interesting, they, my friend. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, I wish I could remember the names of it, but yeah. They, I, I love doing this with you, Tony. Well, thanks for thanks for being here, Chris Graves, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I tell you what, a treasure trove of pop culture and research, and uh, an all around uh, great human being and a friend of the show. Always glad to uh, to have you here. And folks, uh, if you enjoy this program, if you enjoy Paratruther, be sure and share it. And of course, we have the Arterburn Radio transmission. Uh, that's twice a week, Mondays and Fridays, 2 p.m. Central Time over on rockfin.com on the America Unplugged channel. You can follow me at arterburn.news. Pretty much everything is there, the links to the socials, all that good stuff. And uh, if you're following us on the podcast channels, you're going to get this show. You're going to get Arterburn Radio Transmission. So uh, share it with friends and family. Uh, and uh, what did I say last time? Share. <laughs> Be sure, you know, if you share it with friends and family, make sure that you trust them because they might think you're a crazy person if you share. It to well, them. Sharing is caring. It's sharing is fun. caring. That's true. Uh, we're sponsored true. by Wise Wolf Gold and Silver Exchange. If you are interested in precious metals in any way, shape, or form, buying, selling, we deal nationwide and uh, veteran-owned family shop. Uh, that's what pays the bills around here. And, of course, uh, storable food because uh, this is the you're living in the great reset i call my radio show the official broadcast of the apocalypse uh i'm i i put my money where my mouth is i also oh well that, that's kind of unsanitary but i this yeah is a, yeah it's, Buy it's, dirty people. <laughs> right. it's a, i really do buy the storable food i do buy the water filtration systems all of it folks because i believe in being prepared and i think you should too because we live in uncertain times Hopefully, I'm wrong about so many things, uh, but uh, that remains to be seen. We'll be back next time. Uh, be looking for a new episode. I know I'm going to have a, there's a great journalist friend of mine that's going to be on to talk about immigration and not the immigration you know figures you always hear from the mainstream. A, a lifelong researcher and paleoconservative will be on with me very soon. I think it's going to be a fascinating talk, so stay tuned for that. Remember, folks, in the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time.